0: Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. The podcast that will help you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. Together, for you. Welcome to episode 59 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm happy that you're here. I am a family physician, an obesity medicine physician, and a weight loss coach for physicians who are figuring out their own weight and struggling with emotional or binge eating. I help my clients go from feeling out of control and frustrated with their weight or their eating behaviors to having the confidence and the knowledge about not only how to manage their weight for life, but also how to do it in a really simple manner that fits into their busy lifestyle. And I have to tell you, I love doing the coaching that I do. I love seeing other physicians work through things and then just reach a point where there's just this shift and it's not a big shift, but it's a shift in thinking that then all of a sudden everything starts to be simpler and we just start to see these snowball changes in their lives, which I I love seeing. It's so inspiring, so cool to see uh, the work that... Uh, my clients are doing and how they're changing things, not only with their weight and their eating, but also just in all the other areas of their life. I just had a session like that this morning where I could see it in how uh, my client was talking that she's crossed a threshold and things are going to start really changing quite quickly for her now. It's so cool. If you feel that you would benefit from Having extra support, and if you're tired of doing this on your own and just want to get it figured out for the last time, then really coaching is the most efficient way that you could do that. And when you coach with me, you get the benefit of my coaching experience I'm a certified coach through the Life Coach School, but also my obesity medicine knowledge, so I have a wide range of knowledge about the science of obesity and the science of weight loss, and then also I have a lot of personal experience having had lost. 55 pounds and keeping it off. I can help you do the same. Just head over to my website, aweightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, and click on the work with me tab. From there, you can book a free introductory session. We get on a video conference together, and it really gives us a chance to talk one on one and figure out how I best could help you find lasting solutions for your weight concerns. Okay, this week I'm excited about this topic because. This week, I'm going to teach you how to avoid one of the biggest traps I see my clients falling into, and I call this the permissive trap. I think this affects pretty much everybody I've ever worked with. And so I'm going to tell you how to find it and how to avoid it in today's episode. And we will get to that in just one minute. And now, back to the episode. Okay, so guys, I have to tell you, it is freezing here. Though actually today and yesterday, it has warmed up to a balmy minus 22 or so degrees Celsius. Earlier this week, we reached a low of minus 42 Celsius, which is very similar in Fahrenheit. So minus 41.8 or something is what Google tells me. Minus 42. It was so cold. And I've grown up in northern BC. I actually grew up further north in British Columbia than where we currently live. And so we had cold weather for sure. We had lots of minus 20. That was kind of the norm growing up. But the times where the temperature actually dipped significantly into the 30s and stayed there or definitely into the 40s are really limited. Like I can remember a few times growing up. And definitely my kids have never been in minus 40 weather uh, so it was quite an experience because we've had a quite a stretch of like into the minus 30s and staying in the minus 30s all day weather. But man, it's nice. It's funny though, hey, because as soon as like yesterday when the temperature went up to minus 21, you're like, oh, it's so nice. It's so much warmer. And yet it actually is really still very cold. <laughs> I'd gone grocery shopping and so I was unloading my groceries and I'd left my gloves in the car probably I guess thinking yeah it's not that cold out but man by the time I'd loaded my groceries into the car like my hands were so cold and frozen even though we're like quote unquote warm right now but never fear it's warming back up it's going up much warmer even in the next few days we're having a swing in the opposite direction now uh so I'll be okay don't worry about me (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about permissiveness and the permissive trap. This comes up over and over and over again when I'm coaching people or working with my obesity medicine uh, patients. You know that I talk a lot about being nice to ourselves in the weight loss process, that the route to behavioral change is actually through compassion rather than beating ourselves up. And I absolutely believe that. And if this is the first time you've heard me say that, then you really need to listen to some of the older episodes. So go back and start listening to older episodes because if you could walk away from this podcast in general with one message, and I would want that message to be that you need to treat yourself nicely, that no lasting change gets made by beating yourself into change. Lasting change gets made by being nice to yourself and doing it for good reasons for yourself. That's how you make lasting change. But now this comes up a lot when I'm coaching people. When I talk this way, there's always a resistance. Everybody has this internal resistance of, if I'm nice to myself, something really bad's gonna happen. And this is specifically with eating and weight. I I think it does show up in other areas of life, but really with the eating. There's this feeling that if we were to be nice to ourselves, if we were to talk nicely about food that we had already eaten, that then we would completely go off the rails, that it would be all hands on deck with eating whatever you want. And it's interesting because almost everybody has this sense that they can't loosen the reins or else the horse would go out of control. And what I want to tell you is that this is a trap. This is what I'm referring to as the permissive trap. The idea that if we loosen the reins and treat ourselves a little bit nicely, or at least a little bit neutrally about how we eat or how we have chosen to eat or decisions we've made in the past, that then we would just rampage into this huge eating behaviors that we would never get out of. This is the trap because it's not true. This is a false thinking, a thought uh, error that our brains have. And I'm going to kind of demonstrate it to you so that you really understand that being nice to ourselves is not permissive. And actually the permissiveness comes when we're not nice to ourselves. That's an important point. So the permissiveness comes not from being compassionate to ourselves. The permissiveness and the going off the rails, if that's a way to think about it, comes from not being nice to ourselves. Okay, let's start with some definitions. What is permissiveness? What does it mean to be permissive? So the definition of permissive is allowing or characterized by great or excessive freedom of behavior. And I think when I think of permissive, and I think in this setting, when we're worried about being too permissive, then you have to think about what the opposite of that is. So the sort of yin and the yang, the opposite of permissive is restrictive. And the definition for restrictive is imposing restrictions or limitations on someone's activities or freedoms. So that's really interesting. And I think the contrast between those two is interesting in that They really have different feelings, like restrictive when you read the definition. It sounds really horrible, and yet that's what we generally try to apply to ourselves. Permissive sounds uh, quite luxurious, and I think when we hear that definition, a lot of us would worry or picture, (laughs) this is what I picture, is myself like skipping down this road with lined with food stuff and just like eating endlessly. And what I want to pose to you and what I want you to take away from today is it's, this is not about either being restrictive or permissive because you're probably already doing that is what I'm going to argue. This is about finding the middle ground that works for you, that can be more of a compassionate place without tripping into the permissive zone. And I think that permissive zone when you actually take away the restrictive zone, that permissive zone is actually harder to trip into. It's not as big of a danger as what our brain would like to tell us to. The reason why it feels like such a big danger is because of the restrictive zone. And this is why this is a trap, because we worry so much about being permissive that we feel we must choose the opposite and we choose restrictive. But here's the problem. What happens when you choose restrictive? So we have all done this, and I would say a lot of us probably do it on an almost daily basis, where you feel that maybe you ate a bit too much or you feel your weight's not doing what you want it to do, or your eating's not doing what you want it to do, and so you think, okay, I need to get, I need to crack down, I need to get, be careful, get on top of this, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of different ways we think about that. And then we really get restrictive. So we swing way over to the side of restriction. And we say tomorrow morning, I'm back at it. I am being careful. I'm right on my plan. I'm fasting as much as I can, blah, 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 all sorts of plans about restriction. But then what happens is That's setting us up with that black and white dichotomy where either if you're good in quotations, you're being restrictive. And if you're not being restrictive, you're probably not being good enough. So if you're not being restrictive, then you be the opposite of good and you just go fully in quotations bad and eat whatever you want and have those thoughts like, well, I've done it now. I may as well keep going type thoughts. And so again, the problem not li- does not lie in the actual restriction or the permissiveness. It's the, the vast swings. So it's the yo-yoing back and forth between I'm going to really restrict and well, now I messed it up. I'm just going to keep going and I'll get back on plan another day. Um, it, it's that yo-yo that sets up that feeling that permissive is bad and dangerous and this thing we could fall into and honestly this yo-yo on a daily basis makes us miserable that waking up thinking okay i'm going to be back on plan is actually you know it's a thought that seems kind of positive on the surface like okay yeah i'm just going to get myself back on plan but often the way we think it it actually generates negative emotion for us so it's laden with these ideas of failure okay, I'm going to get back on plan because I blah, 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 blah the day before, the week before. And so we start the day with that, okay, I have to be super careful. I'm, you know, I'm making sure I do it this time. But it's actually we're starting that day with feelings of failure. And then through the course of the day, or, you know, maybe multiple days, those feelings of restriction combined with the feelings of failure, and guilt and all that stuff that you're carrying forward from other times that you've eaten add up and ultimately it ends up making you feel lousy. And at some point we make a choice to eat something that wasn't on our plan. And then because we've carried forward all this negativity and all this negative thinking and guilt and all that stuff about something we ate maybe days ago, maybe a week ago, whatever. Then when we start, when we remove that restriction, and we start eating, then we swing way into the permissive side, and we end up eating more than what we planned. That classically, you sit down, and you're having, you know, one thing, I'll just have this one thing. And then you're, re- you know, a half hour later, you realized you ate four things, or, You ate all the things, however, it happens in your life. It's the swing that sets that permissiveness up. And here's the crummy thing is, you know, when we read the definition of permissiveness, it actually sounds quite nice and enjoyable. But the reality of most people when they experience this in their life, it's not actually enjoyable. Like you're being permissive, you're eating more than what you planned, you're eating food you didn't plan but it's so lined with these guilty thoughts and guilty feelings and things of failure and stuff that you don't actually enjoy it most of the time. Like there's that fleeting enjoyment when the food is actually in your mouth, but sometimes maybe not even that. For some people, that fleeting enjoyment is so fleeting and the thoughts of failure, et cetera, et cetera, come on so quickly that you don't even have much time to enjoy the food that you're eating. And sometimes a subsequent food you eat for some people isn't actually enjoyable, but it's something that it feels you just need to do because you may as well keep going. And all of that is all lined with all these thoughts of the restriction and the failure and it, that is what spurs the eating. So I want to lay this down for you in an example. And I'm sure all of you probably have an example of this in your own life, but just a really general one. So say somebody, I'll use myself an example. So say I eat something I didn't plan. Like say I was at a party, ate some chips because there's a bowl of chips in front of me and I hadn't planned on doing that. And then I think, geez, why do I always eat chips when they're in front of me at a party? And that thought of, I always eat chips when they're in front of me at a party, or I can't control myself around chips, I'm never going to succeed. There's so many different thoughts that you could put on this and that people do uh, put onto themselves in these different situations, but that th- those thoughts then would make me feel defeated. I would feel out of control. I would feel guilty and sad. And if you have a history of stress eating or emotional eating, which a lot of you do, what do you do when you feel that way? I can tell you for myself, if I feel that way, if I'm feeling defeated and out of control, well, then I eat more. And then my brain gets more evidence that I am out of control and I'm defeated and I'm not going to be successful. And it tells me those things, which then make me feel worse, then I tend to eat more and it becomes this cycle. So it's the the negative thinking that then drives that permissive state where I do keep eating. It is rarely a truly permissive thought of, I deserve it, let's just keep going, I want to eat as much as I can. You know, there's sometimes elements of permissive thoughts that people talk to me about, like sometimes it is, I may as well keep going. Uh, sometimes it's, I deserve this, it was a hard day. Like those would be permissive thoughts. But I don't think those thoughts actually set up the level of permissiveness that people fear might happen to them. Those thoughts like, I deserve this, it's been a tough day, might set up a little bit of eating that you didn't plan. But it it's then the negative thoughts that actually generate the cycle where you keep eating and you keep Uh, going when you didn't plan it. And so I think the really important thing is that this permissiveness that we fear actually stems from the combination of the restriction and negative thinking. It's rarely us truly being just out and out permissive with ourselves. And I would say, you know, sometimes if you are out and out permissive with yourself, like say, you're going to a party and you say, I'm going to eat whatever I want. That doesn't set up the same cascade of events as if you go to that party thinking, I'm going to stay on my plan, then you end up eating things you didn't plan. And then you have the negative thinking, like that's that restriction and negative thinking combination that then sets up more permissiveness that could keep going through a different day. All right, so we've talked about what the permissive trap is and why I think it exists, and what I want to tell you and I want to show you is you don't have to be fearful of this permissive trap. Like I said at the beginning, this permissive trap is a thought error. It's not true what your brain tells you about it. And so the root, the core root to getting rid of this permissive trap is actually being nice to yourself and actually viewing what you eat, no matter what it is, as being neutral. Now for some of you, when I say that, that's going to create a lot of resistance in you will tell me in your brain <laughs> that that is not neutral, what I ate was not neutral, that was not good. And, and that's okay, because the idea of thinking of whatever you eat as neutral uh, is it, it's a skill, it takes practice, and it's not what we've been taught to do. But it makes it different. And it, And it thinking of what it what you eat as being neutral does take you away from that overly permissive state that we all fear. And, and it might not make sense when you think about it, but trust me and try it and see how it actually plays out in your life. And you could even write it out as different scenarios and go, okay, if I do my classic of being tough on myself, if I eat something I didn't plan, what happens there? What if I thought neutrally about what I ate when I ate something not on my plan? What would happen there? And you can actually write it out and prove this to yourself about the impact that it has. Okay, so I'm gonna give you my three tips for avoiding the permissive trap. Tip number one is that things that feel permissive or restrictive only feel that way because of your thoughts. So it's not the actual food that makes you feel permissive. It's not the actual day that makes you feel permissive. It's not the actual food that feels restrictive. It's what we think about those things that give us those feelings. And that's really important because you may be listening to this and going, okay, if I'm not gonna be restrictive and I'm not gonna be permissive, how would I lose weight? Well, a certain aspect of this is working on your thoughts about what restrictive is. So over time, like if we use a lower carb diet as an example, when you first switch to it, the idea of not eating bread may feel very restrictive. For some people, that feels unimaginable to like never eat bread again. But then over time, your thoughts about bread actually shift. So it's not that the bread changes, but your thoughts about bread shift where bread doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Like I can tell you eating this way now for a few years quite consistently, like I don't get too worried about bread. I will occasionally eat bread if I think it is a very good, unique bread situation. But it's not the same. I don't have the same attached meaning to bread. And all that has to do with my thoughts. It's not the bread that's changed. There's still, I'm sure, lots of delicious bread out there. But I think differently about bread. And so I don't feel restricted about bread. Same thing with pasta. I feel no restriction about not eating pasta. Even if it was in front of me, I would not have any issue not eating it. Because I have very different thoughts about pasta. And I think when we first start changing our eating behaviors, the restriction comes from a lot of thoughts of, I should be able to eat that. And I, you know, everybody else can eat that. Those sorts of thoughts make us feel restricted. Or, you know what, even a thought, I really wish I could eat that, makes you feel restricted. And so the first step in avoiding that permissive trap because our goal is to step out of that, those big swings be, between being restrictive and permissive, is to work on your thoughts around what you're eating so you don't feel that significant restriction. And one way that I find helpful is when I'm thinking about eating low carb, I, I think about that as being my normal. So I just think I'm just eating my normal food. I'm getting back to normal. And those thoughts then... I can eat quite low carb and feel no sense of restriction because it's normal in my mind. The thoughts are about normalcy versus if back when I used to think a standard North American diet was what was normal for me and then eating low carb was a restrictive diet, that felt much more restrictive. And it's a subtle shift, but I think that particular shift is really important. And then again, on the flip side, you know, what feels permissive to you depends on what you think about it. So you could create a sense of good permissiveness in your, the way you eat and how you feel by how you think about certain foods. So for me, I've talked about this before, but one of the sort of, when I look back over my lifetime of working on my weight and different diets I tried and different ways of eating, the difference now is, and it surprises me when I do this still sometimes, is when I sit down to a really good salad, like if I make myself a salad at home, I feel like excited and permissive. Like this week I had that where I was looking forward to, oh, I'm gonna get home and I'm gonna make myself a really good salad in a very kind of permissive type way of thinking. And yet, like it was delicious and it tasted good and it was so satisfying. But years ago, I would never have thought about salad that way. I thought about salad in the restrictive sense and hated it and had to force myself to eat it and use willpower. Um, so the, the distinction between restriction and permissiveness, you have a lot of control over by choosing how you think about them. And I think that's really important. All right, tip number two for avoiding the permissive trap is Beating yourself up only creates more eating. And I'm going to say that again, because if you could take one thing away from listening to this podcast, all the episodes of this podcast, this would be one of the most powerful things you could take away. Beating yourself up about eating only creates more eating. And I gave you that example of the theoretical me eating chips at a party about how that plays out. But to find lasting behavioral change, we have to let up on beating ourselves up. We have to. It's not like, wouldn't it be nice to? It's you have to stop beating yourself up. If you're trying to do both, if you're trying to do this thought work and you keep beating yourself up, you are going to be playing tug of war. You're going to be fighting two different battles and it's going to be exhausting and it's going to take a lot more energy and it won't last. You have to stop beating yourself up, let go of that end of the tug of rope, and then do the other thought work. And that will get you results like you won't believe. And the way you do this is you don't have to think you were fantastic when you made that food choice. It's not like if we use my theoretical example of me eating chips at a party, it's not like I need to go, fantastic work, Siobhan, you really ate that bowl of chips. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I need to do is think neutrally. Neutral is your power zone. So I I would need to think, okay, I made a choice to eat chips at this party. That was a choice that I made, and then just leave it at that. There doesn't have to be any uh, descriptors on top of that choice, right? Like we don't have to be like, well, that was a really poor choice, or that was a really good choice, or I can't believe I made that choice. All of those have very negative or uh, positive connotations. What I'm talking about is just letting it just be a choice. No matter what you ate, no matter how much you ate, no matter how many times you ate it, letting it be a choice. And when I talk to people about this, they think, okay, if that was a choice, what would stop me from making other choices? Like, what would stop me and that theoretical party from eating the one bowl of chips and then moving on to the one on the other side of the room? And I'd say the answer is it wouldn't necessarily. Like, but if we look at approaching it from a neutral standpoint, you would be in a far better position to make a different choice. You may still choose to keep making choices to eat and that's your choice. But at least you're making them in a neutral uh, situation. So if I ate the chips in front of me and I thought, okay, I made that choice to eat chips and I feel neutral about it, then when I see a bowl across the room, I may still, I may say, you know what, I would like more chips. I'm going to make a choice to eat more chips. And that would be a choice. Or I may see that bowl across the room and be in a more neutral and better position to be like, you know what, I don't need more chips. I just made a choice to eat chips. Now I'm going to choose to drink water or now I'm going to choose to eat things off of the veggie tray. But if I'd beaten myself up about that first bowl of chips, then when I saw the second bowl of chips across the room, I would be far more likely to go ahead and start eating those and just continuing the cycle. So neutrality puts you in a better position for making a different choice. But it doesn't guarantee a different choice. And that's okay because, again, this is all a learning thing. So, you know, the first times you use this, what I want is if you make a neutral choice and then and you think about it neutrally and then you make a choice to do further eating, I don't want you to equate that to failing. Like that does not mean that thinking neutrally about how you eat fails. It's a process. And what I want you to do is just keep thinking neutrally. Okay, that was a choice, I made another choice. And what you will find is that you will get back on track. So get back to the way that you want to be eating much quicker when you're just viewing the eating as all choices. All right, tip number three for avoiding the permissive trap. Focus on carrying love and boundaries about yourself, not on strong arming yourself into submission. And I think this is really important because the permissive trap really comes from us trying to strong arm ourselves into submission and then our brains like I don't want to be strong armed into submission I'm going to do this instead and we flip from the restrictive to this permissive. The And we're taught so much and we get so much messaging about weight loss and about our eating behavior that we should be strong arming ourselves, that that's the only way to do it. You need to use your willpower. You you should be making change. You should be eating like this. You should be looking like this. There's so many shoulds in this area. And we can really internalize those and try to make changes because of things that we feel we should do and ways that we aren't measuring up or the ways we perceive we're not measuring up. But again, that it doesn't work. It. You've tried that. I'm sure you've been down that path and it just doesn't work. So the better way to do it is that you decide what you want for yourself. You decide how you want to eat, but you decide it from a position of caring, love, and setting boundaries for yourself. So I always think of this as like the caring parent. So when my kids say, I want to have candy, right after they finished breakfast. As a caring parent, I usually say, I hear that you want candy, but that's just not good for your body to eat candy right now. So we're not going to eat candy, but you could have some cheese if you're still hungry or a piece of fruit or something like that. And the key to doing this with yourself is that you have to manage yourself as a caring parent would. So by being a caring parent, it doesn't mean that you let yourself do everything that you want to. And I just assume you're probably not doing that anyways right now, right? Like you don't do everything you want to because the reality is if we did everything we wanted to, we probably would never go to work. I would probably not get out of pajamas a lot of days. There's so many things that we do this technique for already that we use this kind of caring parent Approach to ourselves. Like, I don't beat myself into submission to get myself out of pajamas. I just say, "Ah, okay, pajamas would be comfortable, but you're a professional and it's time to go to work. So let's get dressed like a professional. Same thing with going to work is, yeah, there's days where I'm tired and I'd prefer not to go to work. But this kind of, you know, caring parent side of my brain says, no, you know, I know you don't want to go to work, but it's time to go to work because you enjoy your job your job's important to you, and this is what you've chosen to do. And so you want to take that kind of approach with your eating and your weight loss in that avoiding the permissive trap does not mean not setting boundaries for yourself, but it's like setting these boundaries that are based on caring love for yourself. And I think this is the big difference from what we usually do is we usually set boundaries that are based on you know kind of dislike and and failure and things like that about our weight and it's a very different experience if you can start shifting to setting boundaries because you care for yourself and because you truly want the best for yourself right now not setting boundaries to get the best for yourself that you think will happen once you're a certain size or weight it's about the best for yourself right now. How do you care for yourself so that you feel your best now and that you feel your happiest now? And so that's what I mean by setting these boundaries, but doing it from a place of caring, love and compassion. Okay, so to summarize the three points avoiding the permissive trap and again that permissive trap is when we go I need to be really restrictive I need to be really tight and careful with my plan to I'm you know I've messed up I may as well keep going type thinking where there's these big swings the permissiveness does not come from being nice to yourself it comes from the combination of the restriction and the negative thoughts about the restriction lead to permissiveness the avoid the three tips for avoiding the permissive trap are number 1 thoughts of restriction and permissiveness are actually coming from our thoughts so they don't they're not fixed definitions about certain behaviors or certain food you can modify what the definition of restrictive or permissive is based on what you think about them. And so this is a really powerful tool to leverage in your weight loss and decide what you think is permissive and what you think is restrictive so that it actually works for you. Tip number two is beating yourself up only creates more eating. This is always true. Beating yourself up never creates lasting eating change. So neutral is where you want to be. Think neutrally about anything that you've eaten. Number three is focus on a caring, love and compassionate approach with setting boundaries, not strong arming yourself into change. So boundaries and compassionate progress towards change, not strong arming into change. All right, guys. I really hope that you try to apply this. I think there's some really important uh, techniques that I see over and over again with clients that I'm working with. And I think if you start doing this and you get it in place in your mind, you really can get some big differences in your experience of uh, losing weight and trying to follow a certain way of eating. If you're enjoying this podcast, I love it when you take the time to leave reviews, they're super helpful. And I read every one. And I would love it if you haven't left one yet, if you could take the time to go leave one. Make sure while you're there, you hit the subscribe button. So you get all the new episodes as soon as they come out. And be sure to share if this episode's been helpful, share it with some friends who you think might benefit from it. Uh, I, that's the way we get the word out. That's the way we get other people learning to manage their weight from more of a compassionate uh, perspective. So thank you so much for listening, guys. I really appreciate you tuning in each week. We'll talk to you later.